gonemobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Welcome back to Gone Mobile. In this episode, we're joined by Amanda Lang. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. So one of the things that we haven't really touched on on this show in, in coming up on 50 episodes now is, is this whole IoT thing that all the kids are talking about these days. It's kind of everywhere. So, so we, we went out, we, we brought in one of the, the real experts out there to, to dig into the topic and Azure IoT and, and all the good stuff that's going on in that space. Um, so, I mean, just to, to set like a baseline level of knowledge here, like, could you just sort of give a, an elevator pitch on like, what is this whole IOT thing and how does Azure fit into the picture? Sure thing. And I'll talk about me, what I do, what IOT is and all that stuff kind of give you a broad overview. So I work with Microsoft as a technical evangelist in our developer experience group. I'm actually out of Philadelphia and we have a group that's distributed all over the country. Um, part of our tasks is to create stuff with partners that might be interesting using Microsoft's technology. It a lot has to do with Azure. It has to do with our bots framework. It has to do with um, some of the offerings that we have on Azure, such as the IoT suite. So over the past six months or so, we've been working a lot with people to create new IoT experiences. And when you hear the phrase IoT, that stands for the Internet of Things, which at Microsoft we sometimes call it the Internet of Your Things because we want to add that kind of personal touch to it. Um, and the Internet of Things is a world of connected devices. So devices that might be connected to the cloud, like a, your home automation. If, for example, you have a thermostat that's connected to the cloud and you're not home, but you want to change temperature in your house before you get home. Um, and Malvern here at, at our Microsoft office in Philly, we have IoT devices wired into all the conference rooms and it can detect noise and tell you if that conference room is occupied or not from a distance. So you can open up a website and see if somebody's using the room. And if for some reason there was a break in or something and there was noise on an unexpected day, then they would also get an alert that there wasn't supposed to be noise at all in that particular <laughs> room. Uh, for a while, they were turned up really sensitive. So if a truck came by, you might get some rattling through the IoT. But um, <laughs> Uh, so it's so it's a way of connecting your your house, your rooms, your de your devices, um, and also wearables, which is a lot of what I sometimes work with. Um, so maybe you're familiar with stuff like the Fitbit or we the Microsoft Band, which I'm I'm still a fan of actually, even though we don't have the SDK online anymore. And that's a device that you can also connect and kind of become a connected self. You can you can keep track of your vital statistics. You can. Learn more about how you move through the world by having a internet connected device. And a lot of times we, we just do these for fun. Um, you'll see a lot of the beginner projects that I'll talk about are things like just making flashing lights. And I've gotten involved recently with the cosplay community and people that are creating like interactive weapons and props for costuming. And that's a super fun use of like the internet chips and Arduinos and things like that. Plus there's also robots. Um, Plus, there's also big data. You can have uh, devices that are connected, collecting tons and tons of data from weather, or we've got projects where people are working with farms to connect data from plants and see how the plants are, are working. And you can collect all that data and you move it intelligently, whether it's through Azure Machine Learning, uh, whether it's through a, like a Hadoop cluster and other data analysis. So there's tons of uses for all these very, very small internet connected devices. And that's the, the the big pitch for for the Internet of Things. It's kind of the big overview. 
Awesome. So then, so we have all this, these, this world full of devices, right? Like we have light bulbs that, that have IOT sensors on them. We have the, you know, personal devices like the Fitbit or MS band, like you mentioned, like how does, how does Azure talk to these devices? Do you need uh, some sort of SDK running inside of there or like, how does that work? So there's a couple different ways that we can interact with the devices, but the primary way that I use is through what we call the Azure IoT Hub. And you basically create an, a, a hub, essentially, that you can plug multiple devices into, and those devices can be running on, on different device channels. So it, once you've got your hub set up, you can push a bunch of different devices through it. Um, and from there, you can set up a lot of different things through Azure. So one of the things that you can do is set up an Azure function, which, set, for example, we made a device at a, low, at a hackathon at Microsoft just to practice those Azure functions. And it, it, this is a really simple example of it in use, but you might create a function that when somebody tweets, then the IoT device reacts. So it reads the data from the internet, finds that, and then it reacts to the device. So um, I built a device at home that uh, the idea is uh, sometimes my husband doesn't see when I t text him. Um, so I hooked up a flashing light to the internet. And then now whenever there's an SMS, it flashes a beacon so that he'll pick up this phone. <laughs> it's a it's a silly uh but very practical like use of of like cloud to internet to a physical device that happens to sit on somebody's desk um and it you know flashes different colors depending on if I, there's like an urgent button that i programmed and <laughs> i have i don't really i don't really use it that much but it, it's it's a it's a way of like adding an additional like if this then that is is a simple way of, of also using these devices so you don't necessarily have to use azure functions but azure functions is kind of a thing that almost behaves in the same way so if you're familiar with if this then that where you can say like oh when this thing happens then also do this thing we have something like that built into azure now and you can write code and you can make it a lot more robust and and it's very it's very easy to get started with functions because you don't really have to even write a lot of code some of it's even drag and drop and then you can just sort of plug your devices directly into the net. Um, there's other ways to get data from the devices. Uh, one of the projects that I worked on is using wearables. So it's actually using Android Wear right now. We were started with Microsoft Band and the data was just going straight to Azure IoT Hub. And then we're putting it in Azure Storage. So Azure has a storage component. If you want to do big data, you can store all that data in a CSV. You can pull it out later and you can do analysis on it. You can do any kind of um, machine learning algorithms if you just get interested in processing that data in a more robust way. Uh, so all these different services within Azure connect up to each other, which is one of the cool things about this cloud because a lot of these, a lot of Azure is, Azure allows you to spin up virtual machines and do a total from scratch build, but it also has a lot of stuff that's more already um, platform stuff. So there's things that you can do without having to spin up a VM that's just really simple. And IoT Hub is one of those things where it's specifically for devices talking to the cloud. Cool. And what kind of protocols are supported then? So so if it's not required that you need to use some sort of dedicated Azure SDK, I'm assuming there's kind of a set of uh, you know standard protocols that a lot of these devices support. Um, well, it can. It kind of depends on. Um, I'm going to go into my Microsoft Cloud here while I do this, but you can actually set up different devices uh, for for different uses, right? So you get a SaaS token generated through um, the the cloud, and then you can authenticate through that, and it authenticates via. I mean, if it's a, if it's any kind of device, so you can you can authenticate through a 
Android device, you can authenticate through a Windows device, you can authenticate through any of those other devices to sort of code your own, I guess, I guess that's a way of putting it. So I don't know if um, that answers the question, but if I drop into my Azure account to actually take a look at some of the services, just so I'm not like trying to ramble off the top of my head. Right. Yeah. I guess I'm just trying to think through the exercise of like, if I have, I have some device in my house and I want that to reach out into the Azure IOT hub so that I can, I can facilitate communication with it in some way, be it Azure functions, as you mentioned, or, or some other way, like how is that connection sort of brokered? Um, well, like I said, you can create custom authentication tokens. So you can create tokens that expire quickly. If you if you're curious, if you if you're worried about like security expiration, you can create tokens that last for a longer time. You basically get a a, a code, um, a, a shared access code, and then you can manage how much access you get from those keys. So if you you know give out your primary key to an application. Um, then of course you're connecting directly to the hub and you know that could go that way but how it's normally set up is from device to device so each device has its own separate authentication um, and like I said that could be almost any sort of device uh, you can use HTTP protocols to connect to it um, you can use a couple a couple different other protocols just to just to sort of push and pull data from the devices or you can use the the functions and alerts and other things that are already built in and then from a, a security standpoint, then, is this a case of does the, the device basically reach out to Azure as opposed to Azure having to reach down into your home network to make that connection? Um, yeah, it's more of a case of the device authenticates through Azure. So um, you would set the device up in the device portal or through a programmatically through code, um, and then the device would actually go out to the internet to get that token. You can you can code uh, connection tokens directly onto the device. So say you have like a small chip and you push code directly to it. You can cut and paste your key and paste that onto the device's code. There's you know as long as that key is generated somewhere, there's different protocols for generating that SAS token to authenticate. So uh, because some in some cases you have devices that are you need them to be secure, and in those cases you want to make sure that that code's obfuscated because you don't want to like just be throwing that primary key around all over the place. So that's where we have the primary that's where we have the the secondary token generation to help with that process. Right, right. And that's actually something that that I've been personally looking into recently as as an aside on my own personal like in-house IoT project. I've been building out and blogging about this uh uh, a voice-driven, Amazon Echo-driven uh, TV remote that connects down into an API I have running in the house that can be used to turn on the TV or change the channel, or um, it's you know it has a series of Azure functions that are actually built to search right, cool. TV listings. So I could say, turn on the Rangers game, it'll find the channel that the Rangers game is on, change the channel, that sort of thing. Oh, cool. Um, but the way that I originally did it, and you know this isn't the ideal way, is that I'm standing up a public API in right. my house that it's calling <laughs> down into that that I secured as best I could because right. I don't want a pure open API into my house because that could get interesting. Yeah. Um, but it, but in, in an ideal world, especially when the API that I have supports uh, MQTT, which is kind of like one of those standard protocols, it'd be a lot nicer for my Raspberry Pi to just sort of reach out and not have to open this you know API to my my living room. <laughs> and I think that that is one of the biggest challenges right now with IoT in general is how do we keep the Internet of Things secure? And it's going to take a lot of great minds on that because there's there's big challenges with home automation in particular. You don't want people to accidentally be able to API their way into your door lock. 
um, <laughs> or your baby monitor. I've heard horror stories about baby monitors. Um, some of these things are, are internet capable. So with with the stuff that we're doing with Azure, I mean, we really are trying to keep it as secure as possible. But some of that uh, onus of security is also on the developer. Like, how do you be sure that you lock these things down and make sure that you have the right codes generated at the right time and that your codes expire and that you're not accidentally pushing real real codes to GitHub, which, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe you accidentally have done. Um, <laughs> that, that, that kind of thing where you, you want to be sure that you're not opening something up that you can't close later. Uh, another big problem with some IoT devices is that they'll be used as zombies. So people will hack into that IT device and then just sort of use the IP to do all kinds of malicious stuff and use that as like an obfuscating route. So um, while the Internet of Things is like, I'm really excited about the potential of all these connected devices and how much we can learn from the data that they store, there's also real questions about privacy that we have to talk about uh, with IoT as well. So. I, I find it all a really interesting field. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's definitely interesting. And yeah, there's stories coming out of, you know, the botnets now are bigger than ever because they're using, you know, closed circuit security cameras and home webcams and you know, probably my, my TV remote in my house as a, <laughs> and copy, light bulbs as, as, as a means of attacking. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing. So it's Any, a Anything with an IP address is a weapon. Yeah. Um, so, so as a developer then, so like, let's say that, that I've gone through these steps and I have some devices in my house that are, that are reaching out connected with the, the Azure IOT hub. Like what can I, what can I do then? Like what sort of languages can I use? What does Azure sort of enable from a developer perspective? Well, the nice thing about Azure, a lot of people um, will hear Microsoft and they'll think, well, that means you're stuck with Windows and you can only use Windows products. But one of the things that's cool about this is that it's very cross-platform because we understand that we want developers to be able to do whatever they do on whatever device they're on. So if you actually go into like what devices are supported, I mean, pretty much anything that can push to an API, you can, you can figure out a way to finagle. I mean, right now I'm working with a purely simulated device in Unity 3D, and that's really fun. We're just faking up everything on the front end and like pushing, um, and, and then using Unity as a visualizer. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, but if you happen to be somebody who, for example, you like to write in Node or you, you happen to write, if you do write in C Sharp, that's what I write because I do work at Microsoft, but um, any, anything that you happen to be using natively, uh, like I said, um, right now working a little bit with Java in, in, this, in this environment, um, and it's the same kind of calls that you would make to another API. So it, it's, there's any kind of connection that you can, that you can make w will allow you to do that. And the nice thing is that we're opening this stuff up a lot too. So Microsoft is a big open source contributor now. And I don't know if a lot of people are aware of that, but if you go onto GitHub, we're actually one of the, I think maybe the biggest contributor of code. Um, and that means that we have a lot of sample code for devices that aren't necessarily Microsoft devices. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's definitely awesome, and and we'll link to the. I think the show notes for this one will be you know chock full of some some really interesting links for sure. I was just looking up our MS IoT GitHub so that I could link that as well because there's some interesting stuff happening there with the uh, uh, different controllers, different documentations, and you can, there's a whole lot of stuff here. There's Node.js, there's Visual Studio stuff, um, and internally we're working a lot with Raspberry Pi. So that's one of those small computers that you can get. Raspberry Pi both 2 and 3 actually run Windows. So you can run Windows 10. So you can actually create an app in Visual Studio 
and push it to a teeny tiny computer. And then I actually have like a teeny tiny eight inch monitor that I plug into the teeny tiny computer. Um, and right now it's not in my house because we shipped it because it's kind of going on a little tour, but we made a Ghostbusters PKE meter with a little dial that turns and like flashes. <laughs> and uh, the idea is that it'll react to ghosts in the atmosphere. Not that we've actually detected any real ghosts yet, but we have tried it in some haunted spots. Um, and if you, if you look online, there's like a cute video of me and my coworker, Dave Voyles. He did a lot of the code on that project and uh, we are t taking data uh, and pushing it to the cloud with this uh, little um, ghost hunting device. And hopefully <laughs> if we take that data down later, we can analyze it and see if we found any unusual anomalies. So then as a developer, then like once you have this connection between your device and you have some software running on that device and, and IoT Hub, is it you basically can just send and receive whatever whatever you want? Is it basically just an open pipe for for whatever your app needs to do? Uh, well, it depends on what you're detecting, right? So as an example, with the Ghostbusters device, we've got like sound and temperature that's being detected on different sensors. And so you would write the, the code to pull that data from the monitor. So say this, this monitor detects sound, we'll push, we'll push that through. Uh, we're using C Sharp in this case, writing that code to detect that, detect that information. With the Microsoft Band, um, what we're detecting is heart rate and a timestamp. So we're going to detect that heart rate. We're going to push that data. So whatever data your device collects um, is the data you're pushing. So if your device, I mean, common things to detect are things like temperature, light, sound, heat, um, moisture. We, we have a connect the dots application that will tell you uh, weather. And for a while, we had a whole bunch of them running in tandem and, on the Galileo, which is a different small chip. And they were pushing data to Azure to collect weather data from all over the world just as a fun like weather station. And then in that case, it's pushing uh, humidity was one of the mm -hmm. things we were tracking. So um, and there's all kinds of data that I've seen people track. Um, galvanic response is one, which is a thing that you can track on the Microsoft Band, um, and that'll uh, that that tells you like how much a person is sweating or whether their pores are activated. Like that's very very cool and different. Um, so if you can think of any type of data that you can process through a sensor, then you can put that data in the, through the Internet of Things. Cool, and then. I guess I'm now I'm just trying to imagine what that looks like on the the Azure side. So I have a device, I'm pumping all this cool information, a bunch of sensor data or temperatures or what have you out to, you know, the IoT hub. Like what what does this look like when you're you're in on the Azure side then? Is there anything sort of pre-configured to like that are optimized for these t sort of sensor readings or do you have to build out things yourself? So a really quick and dirty thing that you can do is there's a, a, a sort of query system where I, I, won't, I won't even say I won't even say it's quick and dirty, but it's sort of a it's sort of a one way of getting that data through. So you write a little little script. It's not it's not very complex that just says basically get the following data from this mm -hmm. device. And if that device is providing data with that stamp, then it'll collect it. So w what we do with that is it's under our service bus. Um, and streaming analytics, uh, which streaming analytics is what allows you to write the query. So you're right, you, you basically write a streaming analytics job that has that query and then takes the data and puts it to an output if you want it. So for example, say I'm taking heart rate data from uh, Android Watch and then putting that data in blob storage. In between, there's a short script that is the query that says, get this heart rate data, get a timestamp and put to this table. And it's a really quick little quick little script. And then you presently press play on that query 
And as long as that query is running, it's going to collect that data. Okay, so you're basically putting like a filter on that pipe that says when something comes through the pipe, do this to it and put it over in some area. That's one way that you can process the data. Another way is that you can do it that Azure function way. And then you can create a listener that's essentially going out to the internet and listening for whatever it's listening for, whether it's an SMS or something like that, and taking that and then pushing that to your device. So that can use the device as an output. Um, you can use the device as an input to the cloud. You can go back and forth from the cloud to the device. All those things are possible. Awesome. And then, so now once we have all this stuff up and running, like let's say that I have I have some like large network of devices out there. You have hundreds or thousands. Like I could imagine you could easily get, you know, huge, huge numbers of devices out there and managing those myself could easily be very complicated. And you, you know, you, you want to know how each device is doing, if they're healthy, if a device goes offline, that sort of thing. Um, does the IOT hub help with that side of things as well? One of the things that I have running locally on my machine, too, is just the device um, explorer, which is sort of a way of seeing, like, what devices are on my network right now? Are they healthy? Are they running? And you can just run this little, it's a tiny little app that you can run locally. It's pretty much always on at my house. And then it'll say, like, hey, the following devices are working, and here's the data that's going through them right now. And if I click this little button that says monitor, it just gives me that data. Uh, it lets me know if it still sees the device, if it's still getting events from the device and that kind of thing. Cool. And is there anything sort of at the, you know, in the Azure portal level for, for seeing that sort of data as well? Or do you have to sort of manage that on your side? Um, you can go into the Azure portal and watch your event, events monitoring. All you got to do is like open up the, the file, the, the thing that shows that, and you can see if there's any input, there's any output, if there's any been any errors. There's a really nice little monitoring box that tells you how much data is going through at any period of time. And, and, if, it's, and if it's a ton of data, obviously there's going to be a big spike. You're going to be using a lot of Azure. Um, it just depends on whether or not your devices are active right now and if you've got your, mm -hmm. your analytics query running and taking that data. So... It's real easy to monitor either through the portal or just through your local machine, your local network. You can run a real narrow little app and, and monitor your devices that way. Right. That sounds easy enough. That's pretty straightforward. Uh. <laughs> and, and what I like about the Azure portal version is that it's nice and colorful. It's got little graphics. It's, it's got, you know, it tells you right away if there's any errors, they'll show up in red and you can see if you've got problems. So. Right. Yeah. Like that's what I would imagine I would want some like really cool looking dashboard that just has like the, you know, the life cycle and the health of, of exactly. my network. Exactly. Even um, if it makes it seem more impressive than it really is. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's what I want. And how many messages are being sent and how much of your, your Azure script you're, you're using right now. Uh, and then, and you can also set up alerts. So if, for example, a device stops responding, uh, you can set it to send an alert to that that's down and you're not working. Or if, if some data that you collect is way out of range, like, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you're doing a heart rate check on a device and you want to check for any heart rate above some crazy number like 140, because obviously that's an error, the person's having a heart attack or something like that, <laughs> um, then you can set it to set up an alert to, to let you know. And you can set those alerts up to uh, to manually tell you, hey, this is a problem or one of your devices isn't working or one of your devices gave us strange data or something like that. So you set those up yourself in your query. Uh, so it can be anything that you want to check for. Right. And then you could set up the system to basically react and tell you, be proactive and tell you when you need to know things, which is absolutely, which is, which is great if a device is something related to safety. I mean, imagine if you're working on a, a ship or something where it's really important for you to know right away um, 
this is this device isn't responding anymore. There, there's stuff to do with like oil pipelines or farming facilities where there might be something that's that's absolutely wrong and you need to check and see if it's, something's broken or you have a leaky pipe or something like that. Well, you need to know that right away. So that's what the alert system's useful. This episode is brought to you by Raygun. Raygun offers leading error and crash reporting to over 30,000 developers around the globe and now offers real user monitoring for both web and mobile apps. Raygun's native mobile support brings deep analytics about how users are engaging with your mobile apps. Raygun platform customers can discover problems affecting their end users automatically, giving developer teams unique insights into the performance of their apps. Raygun offers a free 30-day trial, so get started at raygun.com today and make sure to thank them for sponsoring Gone Mobile. So then let's jump back to the devices really quick. So you I mean you mentioned Raspberry Pi and and some others, you know, there's a lot of different sort of platforms and devices out there that you can buy like are there are there any that are more commonly used um as part of azure iot networks or or maybe even more importantly are there any notable devices that that wouldn't be supported by azure iot um off the top of my head i I don't know what's not supported i've worked a little bit with adafruit type stuff uh we've worked with a huzzah which is like a arduino um, we've worked with uh, Raspberry Pi, of course, is a big one. We have Raspberry Pi two and three. I've worked with Galileo. Um, a lot of different, a lot of different little chips out there, and of course, the wearables are also supported. Um, and you can you can always bake your own if you want to do like an MQQT kind of protocol, and something doesn't exist out there yet, but you're comfortable making that call yourself. You can write it. You can write the code for it. Um, I mean, I've worked with a lot of different chips and they've all been able to speak to it one way or another, either through one of those standard protocols or basically by going through the functions function system. Um, I worked a little bit with, when I was first getting started, I worked with the, the particle, or which was which is the Spark. Um, I, I always forget they changed the name from Spark particle to spark or but uh spark to particle but uh that was a super easy one to get started with uh because it is a really simple chip that comes with like the led lights already on it and if you want to do stuff like flash lights and just learn how to understand how to build circuits it's a really cool one to get started with and then from there i started playing with the stuff with breadboards and sort of plugging wires into stuff uh and i had never done that before i, I don't have any backgrounds in electrical engineering um but it's it, it there's lots of tutorials so like for the raspberry pi for example we have a tutorial that's just like this is baby's first like wire and led to flash using windows tutorial and it's out there and it's really easy to find and it just gets you started all the things you need to know um you just have to have like a windows 10 machine and an extra monitor to plug your Raspberry Pi into, because when you first initially boot that up, you aren't going to be able to see what it's doing. But there's even mm. simpler stuff out there. So, I mean, the Adafruits are pretty easy to use too. And pretty much the hello world of IoT is to get a light blinking. Once you have a light blinking, you can do a lot of things because it means that you're basically sending a binary signal from the chip to uh, uh, through a wire, which means that you can flip a switch in your house. You can or you can collect up data to take it the other way. So maybe plug in a temperature sensor like we did with the with the weather station and put that data and then push that data up. So there's lots of little like getting started projects. And when you think of, I mean, I think it was a coworker that said this, like well, the minute I thought of like realized that everything was essentially just turning a light off and on, if you think about it, right Uh, as long you just be really complicated lights so i have a glove that has light and a light in every finger 
what you know what can i what can i do with that and like do different light patterns and stuff and and then from there use that as an output device for all kinds of things right and it's oddly satisfying even even when you're doing like the little breadboards and you get a single light to go on i don't know as a developer who works mostly in software and very infrequently in hardware except for some of these little projects it's it's weirdly satisfying to see even just a little light turn on on a breadboard because it's you know suddenly you're impacting things in the, the physical world which is fun Right. And it's sort of, um, like I said, it was all new to me until I started doing this like at the company and to go from like, I don't really know how any wiring works to, well, I guess I just plug this in here and plug this in here. Um, it, it there, yeah, there's a certain freedom to it and you can under, you can understand how maybe I could build my own controller. I could build my own, um, input device that I could then put internet, put put information on the internet on. And I Absolutely. saw some people at a hackathon this weekend build um, controllers using fruit and food. It was really funny. <laughs> so um, I, there's a picture of this on my Twitter. They built a keytar with bananas and wired through the bananas into the into the internet to, to a sound device. And then each different banana was a sound. So it was a keyboard, keytar, but you played music <laughs> on it. And I was, but because you could touch the banana and it would close the circuit. I, I was just, it's just the craziest thing. <laughs> Anything's possible. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, if you think the internet of the internet of food, uh, literal live food being plugged into the internet to generate <laughs> Interesting. Power. That one, that one, I had Power. not seen, but that's that's fascinating. Yeah, another one of our another one of our coworkers made a battery out of a lemon. You know, so you can plug that into the lemon, the lemon capable <laughs> internet. Uh, so bananas, lemons, uh, those are also internet capable devices. <laughs> right. So so fruit products aside, like I uh, with the kind of the the basics in place now. Like I would love to sort of talk through some, you know, some real world examples that you've seen of, of some stuff that people have built, you know, leveraging IOT devices and uh, Azure IOT and, and all those pieces. So I will first uh, talk a little bit about some of the work that my team has done, plug some of my team's work, and then I'll talk a little about something that I'm working on uh, with, with, with people on my team, but I'm working with a company out here in Philadelphia. So one of the cool success stories that we had was a plant farming success story. Uh, this wasn't me, but this was folks at Microsoft that worked on this. Um, collecting pH data from plants and then uploading that to Azure Cloud. So basically, if there's problems the plants are not doing healthy, they can track all that information for plant life and then send that back to the farm. So, you know, these guys are growing cucumbers and they want to monitor the health remotely of their vegetables. They can use the internet to monitor that, which is kind of interesting, right? And it checks the soil balance and, you know, hydration and all that good stuff. Um, they've got uh, golfing. Is another one of the things that they that they worked on. So golf swings to analyze a golf swing um, with internet capabilities. And have you have you ever heard of Top Golf? Um, it's that it's that golfing like it's like sort of like a driving range where you go. It's sports entertainment. You then are they you know giving the right experience to the customer? We using machine learning to do that and um, sort of figuring out how they can do that. Uh, one of the things that I'm working on right now is an exercise application. I'm super interested in fitness. And the application is they sort of have a great big screen. And it's a, it's a startup in Philadelphia called Plasmid. And they do a lot of stuff for biohacking and health. 
Um, so we have a big screen and they're running like a virtual reality environment, not on glasses because that might be dangerous, but like just a great big monitor. And you're mm -hmm. sort of running through this virtual environment and then using the wearable to track um, how your heart rate and it's on a treadmill. So the treadmill is sort of going through this world and then you're using the wearable to track how the user is engaging with the world. And they can use the wearable both as like an input device in some cases, like they can clap their hands, they get like an accelerometer feature or as a, an input device to the cloud to track um, how fast are they running and how fast is our heart rate going. And the question is, is this kind of thing going to motivate people to exercise if they can track all this data and kind of gamify the process? Because you can create a simulated environment that then reacts to the user. So when the user is running, if their heart rate is increased, they'll score more points in the game that they're playing, essentially. Um, and that might give them feedback that they're doing great and then they should keep running and then they can see their, their time and their heart rate as opposed to their previous times because the data is also stored. Um, and a lot of things that they can do with that to see if that motivates people to work out more. Um, and the other cool thing about that being so when you have this reactive environment that can track the user's, the user's heart rate um, and maybe they're collecting points or whatever, they could also make it more interactive. They could make it more like a game. Maybe if you're running at a certain speed, you're able to jump over an obstacle that you wouldn't be able to run over, jump over. Or maybe it'll take you on a secret path because you've scored so many points by getting your heart rate to a certain level. Um, and the, the, we can kind of create that conversation between an application that's visualizing the data and the user that's providing the data with their body. Right. You can create this whole ad adaptive experience that, you know, really adapts to f physical real world things, which is pretty compelling. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's, it's just cool to be able to work on something that's a little bit a little bit gamified, but also sort of focused on people's people's um physical fitness and health. And um, I really, I, I found out about this startup uh, when I was at a hackathon and they've been really fun partners to work with. So I'll also link to that project, hopefully for you, for your case, case study notes. Absolutely. Do you find that like a lot of customers who are starting, like, I, I guess I'm curious if, if Azure IoT ends up being sort of an onboarding ramp for a lot of people into the rest of Azure in some ways where you you might start off wanting, you know, some way to manage all these devices and sort of interact with them. And then very quickly, you're, I could see being like, well, I want to store all this stuff over here in blob storage or table storage, or I want to pump it into App Insights, or I want to start, I could, oh, well, machine learning is right here right. and I could pump it here. Like you just have this, it, I could see it easily bleeding out. Like, I, is that I hope, something you I see? I hope that's true. I mean, that's, I... <laughs> As a Microsoft employee, I hope that's true. But I also think that machine learning is just super exciting. It's just a really cool and like the top golf stuff that I talked about was using Azure machine learning primarily. So the um, I think machine learning is just an awesome, cool feature to have. And the fact that we can do it again, it's super drag and drop. We you can create your machine learning stuff through Azure pretty quickly, and a lot of it is free to try. Um, the and I haven't dug that deep into the machine learning side myself personally, so I'm looking forward to getting the opportunity to do that, hopefully within the next year or so. Um, right now, I'm doing a lot of data collection with the stuff I'm working with, but I'm not processing a lot of it. So we definitely on our team are doing a lot of processing with it. And it's, it's, a, it's a really cool like gateway to the rest, the rest of the services that we provide. Um, 
And we provide, we provide a lot of different services. I mean, even just the storage is it's really handy. You know, you can keep all that data someplace safe on the cloud and come come back and just use the storage explorer and da- drag it out and get that CSV and do whatever you want with it. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's definitely a, a way in. And all of these things talk to each other, which is cool. So like I said, if you, I, I, like I didn't really know anything about functions at first, but the fact that functions talks to IoT turned out to be really handy because it's just really quick and easy to spin up like a little, like I said, like a really simple equation that says like one device says this, then send this message to the device. It's cool. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what I found even with my my remote project I was talking before where, you know, well, my goal was to make it one completely in Azure and two make it as close to free as possible. Um, so, so it ended up being where, you know, it starts by there's a daily job that downloads TV listings and that's an Azure function that downloads a file that puts it in blob storage. The blob storage triggers another Azure function that puts it into the search indexing service, which triggers another thing that puts it into like this other database. And then there's Azure functions that the API hits and, um, all these things sort of like talk together without having to maintain any real infrastructure on my own, which is amazing. Yeah, it's it's sort of fun. You kind of got poking around in there like, hey, wait a minute, what's this service do? Oh, wait, this service talks to the hub too. Um, and all these things, it really saves you like the the idea of having to figure out like, I need to spin up a Linux machine to figure out how to do a connection. And then I need to know like how much how big of a kernel I need. I, mean, I don't know. Just you don't have to worry about the about building. You can do that stuff on Azure, but people do because they want to have the control over building their own VM and you know deciding how exactly how big that computer needs to be. Uh, but a lot of these services are a la carte, and they're just sort of like I only need this one equation. I want to go serverless. Um, and when you go serverless, then you have all this stuff kind of right at your fingertips. You don't have to go digging through another machine to figure out where it is. It's just right there on the dashboard, or you can access it with PowerShell or by, by programmatic scripting as well. Right. You get to choose like how, how high or low you want to dial up the right. abstraction that you get, which is to me the, the fun part. Like if I don't have to worry about a server, I just want to wor- think about my code. I can just sort of do that. Yeah, and the other oh. the other the other phrase I didn't drop was like the the logic app, which is like, you know, logic. App, I I still have one that's still running actually. It's sort of just sort of sitting around, turning along. Um, because I have this device. <laughs> this device is turned off, but the logic app has been running for weeks. <laughs> and <laughs> and it it you know listening to the internet. Um, and it's just like a quick like I'll write a little code that'll listen to the internet and take information and push it down to a device. So hopefully by now we, we've made the story sound compelling of, you know, the this stuff is really cool. There's a lot of really awesome things you can do with it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about like how you might get up and running with um, with Azure and IoT and, and how do you work? How do you test this stuff locally? Is there any sort of simulator that you can use? Like how what's the what's the developer experience like there? Um, so I. I- I have, we are working on a new simulator, so I don't want to go too much into that, but, um, simulator, uh, it's going to be hopefully, uh, hopefully fun. Um, but there's also some stuff on the windows IOT page. So if you go to the microsoft.com, like IOT, just, you can search it, you can find it. I can link that too. Um, and that'll get you started on some of the chips, some of the like actual devices that are out there. Um, so there's kind of two steps, right? There's sort of the, the the getting the chip or wearable or device step, and then there's the pushing that stuff to the cloud step. So it's kind of like one and two. Um, and you don't you don't have to 
do both. You can play around with the just the chip part and learn that far, learn that first um, using real simple chips, using Raspberry Pi. Um, and then when you get to the point where you're like, hey, I want to see what this cloud thing is all about, that's when you can head over to Azure IoT and log into that and sort of put those chips into the internet and actually make them do stuff. Um, but you can, you can even set up scripts to text. Um, like I said, if this then that is a really simple way to talk to chips both without having to like actually code anything in the cloud. So if you're right, like very, very much a beginner and you just want to see like, how do I get a, a LED to light up when I text somebody, which is like one of my earliest projects. Um, I just used if, if this then that at first because it was the easiest way. Um, and people use it all the time to, you know, post to, you know, maybe when I make an Instagram post, also post that to Facebook, where you can say, hey, when I make, send a text, have my particle core light up. That's a thing that you can do. So one way of just getting started with the whole concept of how do I work with a tiny computer? Um, and, and a lot of it is based on your interest, but another project that we have at Microsoft that's pretty decent is we have the Connect the Dots project uh, that just sort of shows you how all these different devices talk to Azure, and there's a whole suite of different devices and the code to get them to talk to to Azure there. So it's another thing we could do. Um, if you happen to have a band, that's one way you do. If you happen to have any kind of Fitbit wearable, it's another thing that you can do. If you have a wearable type device and it's already set up, then you don't need to mess around a little chip. You can make that your Internet of Things talker and see what data you can pull from that. Yeah, it's great. And like I said, we'll we'll put a whole bunch of stuff in the show notes. So it'll be a, a nice little collection there for sure. Um, you know, and, and now that we've we've sold all the the benefits, I you know, that's when I like to ask, you know, what is the the a actual pricing model for this sort of thing in Azure? Like what does it cost to actually run this stuff? Oh, it's all a la carte. So um the best place to go is that Azure pricing calculator. Um and see yourself. Um, a lot of stuff is free to a certain point, um, but then everything sort of everything sort of is bit by bit by bit a la carte. Um, mm -hmm. If you're running a streaming analytics job, that can get a little spendy um, just because it's going to be constantly monitoring. So if you ever run into a situation where it's like, oh, that's way too expensive, I'm just look at your different options. I mean, it's very hard for me to be like, oh, this costs exactly this much because there's a calculator for all this stuff because it right. depends a lot on how many <laughs> messages you're sending, how many queries you're sending, how big is your device, uh, how often are you making the query, how many streaming analytics jobs are you running at the same time if you're running streaming, if you're running uh, a logic app, it's a lot cheaper, uh, but it just sort of depends on a lot of, a lot of different things. Right. So typical cloud pricing, that's fair. Yeah. 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 It's just, I mean, I mean, even just like looking at my, looking at my calculator, like go to the calculator, it's on the website. If you're curious about that, um, a lot of stuff is free to try. So, um, machine learning is free to try, for example, play around with it, give it a shot. What's next for for Azure and IO, the IoT Hub and IoT in general? Like where 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 are things going in the near future? Oh, and oh, and IoT Hub is free for five hundred devices to eight thousand messages a day. So that's oh, that's go. the free tier. I was just looking to see exactly how much you get for free, which that's pretty good. And then if you want unlimited devices, it's like fifty dollars a month. Um, so so you want to know like what's next? Yeah, what do you got? Um, so. For me, I'm going to be working a lot more with smarter devices. I'm interested now in doing some stuff with our cognitive suite, so more AI-focused, um, more personal. 
So we have a, a cool video out there of the smart glasses that somebody developed that they're actually blind and the, the glasses like read the environment and then give you, give him information about what they see. So for example, um, check this, check it out online. It's, it's a really cool, it's a really cool example. I think they call it the, the seeing eye demo. Um, and seeing AI demo is what they call it because it's an AI that tells you. Uh, and I'm interested in that kind of stuff to creating a, not just an internet, like I said, of things, but sort of your internet of things, a more personal internet of things that knows a little bit about you and your experiences. Um, but that's just that's just sort of that's just sort of my pet projects that I'm working with. Um, in general, for the company, I think we're just always exploring different stuff that people can come up with and uh, anything that is exciting and fresh and helps businesses or people to, you know, you know, work more intelligently and do more stuff. Sounds good. So uh, did we miss anything along the way? Anything that we should make sure to, to dig into or cover before we wrap up? Um, I just hope that you'll take some of those resources that I shared, uh, that we'll share with the links, the case studies, um, the IoT portal itself, the hub itself, and just use your imagination because I think that there's so many different ideas out there that people haven't come up with. And that's the fun of being in this space is that it's not your standard, like regular, like I'm going to write the same thing that people have been writing forever. You're, you're writing something that probably nobody has made before in some cases uh, and solving problems that haven't been solved with technology before. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled to be doing this kind of stuff. And I just am looking forward to the next few years and seeing what we come up with. Should be interesting. And hopefully it's not all just hacks and botnets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it's, hopefully it's stuff that really, um, helps people. And there's a lot of stuff out there that's super silly too. So, uh, don't be afraid to make silly stuff. I mean, I, like I said, like the hackathon where people were making silly devices, like banana stuff. I mean, <laughs> I, I love that because it's so creative and it's so random and I don't want people to use, lose that sense of, I guess, whimsy. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that, um, bringing, whimsy to computing is also a way to sort of inspire people to create and be artists. Well, uh, I actually have an art background. I started out as an artist when I, before I started doing code. Uh, so I like to marry those ideas of, of, of creating code with art or art with code and building, building and constructing things with your hands that then interacts with technology and data. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a really fun thing to do. Right. And it's it's also a great way to get more people involved and interested in this sort of thing in general for sure. Right. And uh look into like for example there's this thing called Joolbots for like little girls where it's like you're making really girly stuff. I mean, when I made my my flashing light thing, I I used the big glass heart you know, because I just, I like to have, I like to bring that kind of touch to tech because sometimes tech doesn't have those soft edges and that's something that you can do, I think. Right. So get out there and make your own uh, banana piano or guitar. And... Yeah, exactly. And, and if you do, like, I want to see a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Amanda, thanks so much for, for chatting today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, this is a great chat and I, hopefully you can share those resources and hopefully there'll be further news from this space from us. Absolutely. And thanks as always for everyone for listening and we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.